Welcome to The Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place where you can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your host. I am Pastor Caesar. We have Pastor David and we yes, have sir. the bearded wonder James in this and it's great to have you on You keep the bearded today. wonder thing? You oh, are you the bearded wonder. All yes. Right. Yes, you are. We have a great show for you lined up today. Today we are discussing peacocks. We're discussing the Black Panther and zombies. But hey, yeah, before we get into all that, uh, how are you doing? Everything's good, man. I tell you, I uh, had a great week. I do want to bring something up first of all. Um, and I just want to thank everybody for listening. But this week, the Refuse Project has gone global. Yes. Global. Global. We had our first outside the United States. Uh, we are now live in Russia. Russia. Ooh. Yes, sir. So I'm pretty excited about that. We were in with Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, South Carolina. Three, 13 unknowns. Nice. Could be Russia. anywhere. In Russia. In Russia. Which is kind of interesting. We had a... a uh, pastor come in from Russia this past week. Yeah, I was about to ask. Did so have maybe, to do uh, with him? yeah. Or? So maybe they looked the well, same. I ain't saying nothing bad about Russia. At least uh, somebody come and snag me up at. Right, exactly. <laughs> but Russia, how you doing? We love you. So everybody, thanks for listening. It's because of you that we get to do this. Because you continue to listen, just keep listening. Hit that like button and share it with your your friends and family. Awesome. Hey, why don't we get into the poultry corner? Hey, today on the culture corner, we just want to bring. I want to bring back up something that we talked about um, earlier, a couple episodes ago, about the Black Panther. Uh, and you know, Pastor Caesar brought it up that the pe- uh, Black Panther had died, and we talked a little bit about superheroes and all that stuff. Um, but there was a report that came out that when he did the movie Twenty One Bridges, um, the co-star in that uh, something Miller, uh, she was coming at kind of. She had a kid and her kid was going back to school and she really didn't do want to do movies anymore. But she said like her, like, if they pay me this, I'll come back. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and the studios were like, no, nah, we're not going to pay you that. Well, um, Mr. Chadwick, he took the money out of his own pocket to make sure she got paid what she was asking. And it was like one of those things that he, he valued her her abilities to act and co-produce this movie. So he came out of pocket to make sure she got um, paid exactly what she was offering. So I think that was pretty cool. And then through all of that, there was uh, reports about all these different people that um, that Chadwick had uh, talked to them about faith okay. and his his like kind of his role in his life on faith. And and after he died, his home pastor from he he is a he was a member of TD Jakes, the Potter South L.A. where. Uh, T.D. Jake's uh, daughter and the son-in-law are pastors there. Mm. But when he was a kid, he was like super involved in, in his home church, as a Baptist church, I think out of South Carolina or something like that. And um, part of the youth group, the the choir and all that. And and his pastor said that when he sees him on, on TV or whatever, he still sees little Chad. It was the same kid that, you know, was super involved and loved Jesus and all wow. those things. And uh, so it was pretty cool. Uh, he also got to uh, present Denzel Washington with his like uh, achievement award, lifetime achievement award, 
And it, kind of, it, it was kind of a weird story where they become close, but when uh, Chadwick was going to school um, abroad to learn acting and stuff like that, uh, Denzel Washington gave some money into a fund that actually went to him, and they didn't even know it until time later. So, wow. yeah, it was it was kind of cool. And then he just, you know, uh, Denzel Washington really talked about how he ministered to him and different things like that. So, uh, there's more and more good things are coming out about this guy. He loved Jesus. He was just a just a good all around guy. So. Uh, props to him and his family for for raising him right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was super positive. That, you know, I mean, not that he died or anything like that. So, you know, that, but anyway, whenever all that happened, just uh, how many people came out in support of that man's character and all that. And um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know too much about him, but he just seemed like a pretty outstanding guy. Yep, yeah. it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna change my current event because I read a different one that I just feel like is more related to the. Uh, to the one you just said. So cool. I also read this one about, you know, the boxer Manny. Uh, how do you say that he's like? Pacquiao? Name? Yes, Pacquiao. I always look at it, and I'm always like, I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> Manny Pacquiao. So he recently, uh, so he's like a senator in the Philippines, too, uh, and he's always uh, doing stuff over there. So he just recently built a 1,000 homes for just uh, people in poverty in the Philippines. Wow. Uh, and he did it with uh, the money he made from the – uh, the what is the Floyd Mayweather fight um, oh, right. a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So apparently, he even though he lost that fight, he brought in like a hundred million dollars, like close wow. to that right. for losing. Yeah, but, for uh, losing. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to pay somebody a lot to get beat up by Floyd Mayweather. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he took he took that money and built a thousand homes in the Philippines with it, and I just think that was pretty cool. That's pretty awesome, you know. Especially, you know, you, you don't get too many, uh, you don't get too many people that actually, you know, they're out there always advocating for the poor and this and, and and we know people from the Philippines. We know pastors and preachers that come by here, yeah, and they tell us kind of, uh, you know, what the landscape looks like over there. But you know, you got uh, here in America, you got all these uh, celebrities coming out talking about social injustices and stuff like that, and uh, and they do exist, they do exist, but n- not too many of them are are actually putting their money where their mouth is. Well, just look at the other side of that. So you got Manny Pacquiao that made a hundred million with that. And then you have the other side, the winner of that, that's having (laughs) to fight uh, uh, a YouTube star. One of the Paul brothers. Is that official? The last time I look at it, they both released something about it. So I don't know if it's official, official, but he's doing it because he's broke because he keeps spending all of his money on Bugattis and, Mm -hmm. and strip clubs and all that. And then you have the other side where this guy's actually going out and building homes for yeah, a thousand of thousand them. homes so and that, i like that it was a uh, because lots of times you know you hear about like either governors or senators or whatever and they're trying to like come up with some program to help the people in their area or something but it's all like government stuff or whatever this was just him even though he is like a senator or whatever he just said hey i've got a hundred million dollars that i could do a lot of good with and so he just like personally did it so anyway, oh. I just think that's cool. Yep, that's yeah, good. Good deal. Well, I wanted to hear about the peacocks, but hey, maybe. I can still tell you about the peacocks. Hey, hey, hey. It's not- hey, you know what? It's in there. Tell us about these peacocks real okay, quick. Okay, so there's the peacocks down in Miami. Well, actually, I think they moved them. That's the whole point of the story is they're causing lots of problems. Mm. And so earlier this year, they started this whole big project to like relocate the peacocks out of Miami because uh, so they're they're pooping all over the place. They're uh, making lots of noises in the middle of the night. I don't know if you know what a peacock sounds like, but uh, it sounds like this. It sounds like, ah! 
I know because we grew up. We grew up with a couple peacocks right behind my house, so I know what they sound like. But uh, so that. Oh, where did you grow up? The the dirty bay, Bay Town. But uh, (laughs) yeah, but they uh, yeah. So there's that, and then they're scratching up everybody's cars, kind of like you know the betta fish. If you ever uh, like you hold a mirror in front of it, they go puff up. So it's basically they think that's what was happening, where they see the reflection in the cars, and then they come up and they just start like attacking the cars. Jerks. So they're just like damaging all this property and just leaving piles and piles of their peacock poop all over the place, wow. and it's become like an issue. So they finally like they finally they voted on it on whatever board there's votes on that kind of stuff down there and it was a unanimous decision they said hey we got to get these peacocks come on out of florida here. come on florida vote out like alligators wait that or was florida is in florida uh, Miami. of course yes. yes of course yeah they, they can't keep the you know the cool looking stuff but the you know the dinosaurs that they have swimming around in all their waters hey, and apparently the peacocks are causing more trouble than the alligators beautiful stuff, so. jerks yeah <laughs> So that was the peacock story. <laughs> well, I'm glad we went there. I am so glad we went there. All right. Well, hey, that's uh, that's it for Culture Corner. You got a two for today. So uh, there you go. There you go. Feel blessed because you are. All right. We're going to jump in today's main topic, and it's uh, centers over a documentary on Netflix. If you still have it, if you didn't cancel your Netflix last month, um, and it's uh, the, the it's called the Social Dilemma. It was a trending top ten. Uh, whenever it was first released, uh, it's doing very well now. Still, it was released back in January, but um, I can't say basically it explains this because it explains a lot that we probably won't even get into. But uh, it, it's a documentary that explores the addictive elements of social media. It shed lights. It sheds light on the nefarious business models and strategies that these tech companies uh, have devised over the years to keep us plugged in. And it also warns us about the psychological, emotional and physical effects that social media and social networks has uh, on us in the world. Um, And after all of that, it also highlights uh, some potential threats to the future. So it's a it's a very well done documentary. Um, is it perfect? No, but it definitely opens your eyes to uh, to what's what is now. What, what's the world that we live in? Um, in uh, in the documentary, they have all these tech experts, um, and people that used to be big time executives in in all the big companies, Facebook, Twitter, uh, oh. so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, uh, Google, yeah. and uh, and and they explain what uh, what it looks like behind the curtain and what's their purpose really. And one of the quotes that really stuck out to me in this entire uh, documentary was this: "It says, if you're not paying for the product, then you." Are the product. That was the first thing I have written on my list right there. That mm-hmm. was just mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, abso- absolutely. If you are not paying for it, then you are the product. So congratulations, you, me, everybody else. We are products. <laughs> Amen. So yeah, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Google, Pinterest, Reddit, LinkedIn, so on and so forth. Uh, it, it all talks about these business models and, and, and what kind of business models and strategies they have in place, what kind of recipes they have in place to keep your attention for the longest amount of time possible. And this is what their goal is. And I think everybody here, um, uh, Pastor David, did you were you able to, to, to watch all of it? I watched the, all the way through. Yeah. How did, how did it make you feel just right at the end? Um, 
Well, it was disturbing at the end because they was asking the the executives like, "What is your greatest fear?" Right of all of this, and the one guy said, uh, "Civil war," and then the other guy with, and they weren't even in the same room. He said, "Civil destruction." Yeah. So, um, I it just really made me feel uh, uneased uh, and and not good for the next generation coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, How can duck lips, right, uh, affect a civil war, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it was it was disturbing, you know how, and then how they portrayed certain things, and, and um, I guess one of the the other things that kind of gone gone with your quote, uh, it says that that uh, the only industries that call their customers users are drug dealers and social media. Social media. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, um, so it that just really kind of kind of got me in the kind of the B-roll stuff was kind of cheesy, but at the same time, it kind of opened your eyes to exactly um, what these companies are trying to do. You know, when they were talking about basically turning the knobs and having the the leaders of these companies able to turn the knobs and dial into exactly where they wanted to dial into, to change um, revenue, to change activity, to change, they basically could change the way you think right through your social show, social media, however they feel that day. Right. And James, how did, uh, how did you feel? I know you watched that a couple of weeks back, but, uh, yeah, well, so a lot of people that have watched it, they've been, uh, like you said, like they felt like they'd opened their eyes and they're like, Oh wow, this is crazy. But I was, well, I was watching, I was saying like, we all knew this, right? We all knew that they were, uh, you know, manipulating your attention and all and selling your data. Like we, that's not new information, but uh, so it wasn't like shocking to me, but uh, I guess it's a little shocking, like how shocking it still is yeah. to most people. But I think the thing that's shocking, I think everybody knows, okay, they have my data, but I don't think everybody realized that they can dial in so accurately mm-hmm. um, and that the algorithms are so good. Yeah. I think that's kind of what surprised people. Yeah. Right. Well, I kind of saw it as just like, I mean, it's just, it's still, it's all just advertising. So it's just like, you know, back in the Mad Men days and stuff, like they're really good. People that are good at advertising, they're really good at advertising. And the whole social media thing, it's just advertising. That's how they make their money is through advertising. And so it's just like anything, it progresses and it's a technology, you know, technology progresses at an exponential rate. So yeah, they're really good (laughs) at advertising. Now they're just that much better at it. And our attention is the product. That's what they want. These Uh advertisers, see these services, Google and all that stuff, you know, we might see it and we have, we have the luxury of having that search bar there, but somebody's paying for it. It's not us, but somebody's paying for it. And it's these advertisers. I had one kind of one weird feeling because I hardly ever go on Facebook, but if Facebook gets used, Sandra kind of looked through my Facebook page. So I told her, I said, they think I have female tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever the last. Oh, oh he's sensitive. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Whatever the last thing or two you search, like that's all you see for until you search something different. Right. Right. And then that's kind of crazy uh, because everything that we do is being tracked either mm-hmm. by the social media, you know, gigantic companies, but, but Google and, and it's all for the purpose of data mining. And, uh, you know, data by itself is nothing. It's it, it's what you do with that data. And they go in and they talk a little bit about that. But you think about that everywhere you go, everything that you do, everything that you like, and all of these things are being stored in a super server somewhere, supercomputer. And, uh, and these algorithms, 
they detect who you are. What are your interests? What are this and what are what are that? So ultimately, I mean, they'll actually know you better than you know yourself. But, but I think we've talked about this in the past when we have a group of people that that are together that have uh, like mind thinking. Yeah, echo chambers. Yeah, echo chambers. Right. This is really really scary because it it promotes that. Mm-hmm. It promotes whatever you Google. It gives you more of the same and more of the same and more of the same. And one of the things that that kind of disturbed me was they said, depending on your GPS location, mm-hmm. depends on your Google search, what mm-hmm. comes back from it. Yeah. yeah, That's crazy. Look, I just want to know what it's about. I don't need to know. Um, like, the, like the guy that went to the doctor for COVID, they asked him what his political views were, depending on what kind of medicine they were going to give him. Listen, mm-hmm. I just want to be healed from this. Exactly. When I Google something, I don't want to depend because I'm in a Republican state. I want to know what the Internet has to say about it. Don't filter it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Let Absolutely. me know. Yeah. But right. I got a little soundbite for us right here. All it's right, let's this, check it out. It's a little bit on this documentary. Check it out. They know when people are lonely. They know when people are depressed. They know when people are looking at photos of your ex-romantic partners. They know what you're doing late at night. They know the entire thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or what kind of neuroses you have, what your personality type is like. Yeah. So in these algorithms, that's that's how they predict these things. They can predict our actions. And, uh, and what's crazy is that whatever company has the better model wins. That's right. You know, and and that's why there is a you can definitely, you know, monetize this kind of service, because if if you know you got these people in this zip code that are searching for this kind of product and you have, you know, you have the monopoly on on the data mining in that in in that area. I mean, it becomes a very, very profitable business to to get these sponsors right on that screen. Well, I use this company called. um, Oh, man. Data man. I think it's called data man. Right. And um, so I I contacted them because I wanted to to contact pool users, you know, people that had pools in their backyards. And they sent me they said, okay, send me your zip code and we'll send you all the pool owners in that zip code. (laughs) And they sent me like stacks, you know, and then I started looking it up, bro. Uh And every I don't know how they know how they do this, but every one of them had a pool in their backyard. Uh And I went on like Google Earth and they didn't miss any. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like, I don't know if it's from their credit card usage or, or tax paperwork or whatever, but it's, I mean, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's terrifying to think about. I mean, humans, humans by nature, we are creatures of habit. What we do, where we go, what we eat, what we dress like, what you know, that, that can, over time, you start really, uh, defining who who you are, and then they'll have you pegged, you know. And it's crazy that if if you know they, I like to say they, but you know who is they? Well, all these companies and stuff like that. But uh, it, it's it's that's that's the whole nefarious part. Like there's somebody in the shadows just waiting to to change your your mind, your perception of of reality, yeah. and they um they're getting really good at this. 
they're getting really, really good at this. You know, I'm I'm always searching stuff for Amazon, buying things for youth, or just you know, just everything. Uh, and we all have that. And and out of nowhere, like sometimes I don't know if you got you guys have ever uh, just kind of been having a, a conversation at dinner with your significant other. Come with on, your, brother, your listen, right? I know and, where you're going. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, you pull up some social whatever, or you're just searching on Google or something like that, and then it's like. You know, you were having a conversation about car insurance and then all of a sudden, boop, mm-hmm. car insurance. And that's before the search ever even happened. You're like, wait a minute. What what's what is really going on? Yeah. You know, and I know a couple of years ago with uh, Edward Snowden, that was a big old thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, about privacy. And then uh, a lot of this stuff seemed to have stemmed uh, a, 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 as far as being brought to the forefront of all this um, because of the Twin Towers, 9-11 security, the Patriot Act and all those kind of things. And it's just uh, it. It's it's not a necessarily a new problem, but it's definitely getting a lot more attention now. On that uh, Snowden issue, you know, they just uh, they just ruled the things that he released were actually um, they ruled in his favor. Mm. So now they're going to start working on uh, hopefully like uh, dropping the charges and he can come back to the United States or wherever he's at because he's on the run right you th- now. You think he would come back? Um, he said that he's really not going to go after like uh, getting the president to, to release it or whatever, but there's other people that have done the same thing that that's really where he's going to promote mm-hmm. for them to be released first. And then I guess he's probably going to use them as a guinea pig. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah I, I, I don't know if I would come back if I was him. Like I'd probably be pretty paranoid. That, yeah. You know I mean, especially how powerful certain people are in, in the government, but we, let's not even go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I don't want to get canceled. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, think about it. Think about some of these implications as well with all this data that's being harvested on, on who you are. Um, I mean, theoretically you can, you can predict people that are maybe high risk of, of suicide or self harm by the things that they search or uh, depressed you know, or just just all these all these other things that, that that raise an ethical issue, a real problem that that these algorithms potentially could identify these these life threatening you know um, uh, tendencies or, or or people toying with the idea of blowing up a government building or or you know killing themselves or killing other people and all that by the things that they search. And I think that like they are probably the government is using some of that stuff. Um, well, they could use some of that stuff if these companies would turn it over. And I know they've been battling mm-hmm. in, in court to get some of this stuff from uh, and like Facebook refuses. I know for sure they refuse to send out some of the stuff from the government government. Um, but the suicide rate. So they even touched on the suicide. No, rate. We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. So hold on on that. Hold All on right. So let's, yeah, let's keep on. <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. But, uh, and, and it, it's, um, but you know, the ethical question that I think that would be provided on all of that, on legislating all that is how do you actually, how, how do you attach an action to having that data? Like how, I know a couple of years ago, um, they were talking about making the internet a utility, just like water, electricity and all those kind of things. And there's a big backlash on that. I really don't know where I stand on all that, but um, I, whenever we're talking about the ethical concerns, I see where the argument could be made. You need to make it a utility and you need to make that information available. But then on the other side, as a freedom loving American, uh, I don't want my information released anywhere. I want to, uh, I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing, you know, it's because right. it, that's my information and nobody should know that. But as a, 
as a guy that wants to live in, in a free country, like some of that stuff, information is important to continue to live in a free country. Right. So now we are balancing on the fence to figure out which way do we go. And I don't think we have the right answers. No, no, uh, especially now because it's one of those things that as soon as you open the door, then our freedoms lost or freedoms won. Yeah. We don't know until the door is open. So it's one of those things that we got to be careful with. Have y'all watched that movie that came out years ago with Tom Cruise, uh, uh, Minority Report? No. No? Mm-hmm. no well, it, it's, it, it, it borders on this, that they're able to predict, they're able to predict who, who's going to be a murderer. So even before the crime happens, they go and arrest them. It's like this future police kind of thing. Mm, and, yeah. uh, you know, it, 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 it raises those questions like, well, if you can predict, and now we're in an era now with artificial intelligence where these models can pr- pretty much pinpoint. But they're not. Yeah, they're not perfect. They're, 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 well, I mean, uh, they can, but they're not. So because th- that's not important to them. Monetization is what's important. Yeah, you know they could care less, and I know we're going to get into the 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 suicides and stuff in in a little bit, but they could care less about that. They could care less about um, these people that are posting, "Hey, I'm going to go shoot up this this uh, building or kill these people." Mm-hmm. They could stop that, but the thing about is about that is that if say Facebook recognizes it and then they go to the police about it, then guess what? They have to open up that data. Yeah. So then they have to turn that stuff over and they're not going to want to, which is scary. Yeah. And from a, from a, from a Christian perspective, if you were the one, you know, that was the, um, the doorkeeper, so to speak of all of that. And you had the capacity to save lives, you know, would you turn that data over? Right. It, but I mean, but w- what else are you turning over? Exactly. Right. It's like all the guys in the hoods are like, I, I didn't hear nothing. I didn't see nothing, you <laughs> yeah. know, because they know the consequences <laughs> of saying it. Uh-huh. Right. The snitches get stitches. Right. That's exactly. End up in ditches, you yeah. know. It's so cold on the street. So it's just one of those things that it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Right. And uh, and yeah, I mean, so from a geopolitical standpoint, you know, that it's uh, there's a lot of things to to talk about. But uh, let's look at let's look at some of the psychological effects and uh, let's sure, talk let's a little bit about it. that. I got some more. I got another sound clip for you. This one's about a minute long. So uh, just stay tuned and open your ears. When I was at the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, this is what we learned. How could you use everything we know about the psychology of what persuades people and build that into technology? Now, many of you in the audience are geniuses already. I think that's true. But my goal is to turn you into a behavior change genius. There are many prominent Silicon Valley figures who went through that class, key growth figures at Facebook and Uber and and other companies, and learned how to make technology more persuasive, Tristan being one. Persuasive technology is just sort of design intentionally applied to the extreme, where we really want to modify someone's behavior. We want them to take this action. We want them to keep doing this with their finger. You pull down and you refresh, it's going to be a new thing at the top. Pull down and refresh again, it's new. Every single time. Which in psychology, we call a positive intermittent reinforcement. So you don't... Yes. Wow. You know, it's... Nuts. It's, it, it's this entire... You know, they're offering this in college courses on how to learn how to manipulate people. And they're not going to, like, your local community college. They're going to these, like, Ivy League schools to capture this young talent. One of the things that they said early in the movie that uh, uh, was it's 50 
of these 20 to 35 year olds that are creating this code Mm -hmm. to basically change the behavior of billions of people. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. Like these guys are not even like, uh, no offense to you 20 something year olds, but they're not even fully developed in their brain until like 25, 26 years old. Mm -hmm. But here they are developing code. That's going to change the behavior of the world. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the youth had a, uh, they had a Sunday school on this this last week. And, um, and uh, one thing that I was talking about with my wife is that she, how surprised she was that none of them felt like they were addicted to it. Like they could stop at any time. And I, and I told her that's the behavior that, that sounds like people that are addicted to drugs and they, yeah. they are mm-hmm. substances, right? Whatever that substance might be. They say, Oh, I can quit anytime. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an issue. It, it makes my life better, but you know, it's, but take it away from them. You know, I, I remember this one, uh, this, um, this is one account of, we were going to, um, the youth and the youth, I was taking them up camping in this remote part in Texas. Right. And, uh, and before we got there, before we got days, before we got there, one of the, one of the young ladies in the group, she had a, she had a streak on Snapchat going that was like, you know, 500, 600 days, something like it was in the hundreds and it wasn't just like 10 days. Uh, and, um, she actually called up there to the park where we were going to be camping and she wanted to know what the connection was like because she didn't want to break streak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the connection was bad. So, uh, and she went anyway. Um, but, uh, and she lost her streak, right? So whenever she got back, she called Snapchat. Oh my gosh. And they reinstated her streak. Wow. Oh, that's wow. crazy. How did they, how did she get them to do that? Just asked them. I don't think they do that normally, but you know, she was just like, "Can you help me? Can you help me?" I, I, I guess. I this is crazy, and this is one of the quotes from the show. It's a gradual, slight change in your own behavior, and that is the product. Mm-hmm. Slightly, mm-hmm. they don't think that they are addicted because it's, it happened over a period of time, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they're doing. They they want it to be a slight so they can curve and mold this into your daily life. And I tell you what, I'm not a huge like social media guy. I'm not a huge guy that's on my phone a lot. Now I do listen to a lot of podcasts. I do listen to a lot of things on uh, YouTube. I guess you could call that social media or whatever. But during this fast, I've, I've, I've done some of those things and I've realized that I go to that stuff. And mm-hmm. when I can't go to it, it's a, a little bit of a struggle. We created when we talked about, on this podcast, when we was talking about fasting and praying, we 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 discussed it creating a void. Well, it created a void, and I didn't know what I was filling it with. And then yeah. I have to remember, okay, this is time to fast and pray, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that it really made you think, okay, now you created this void, now do something with it. Right, and they, you know, in this uh, in this documentary, they keep on talking about Gen Z, and Gen Z's, uh, I think it's 97, 96, 97, um, whoever was born after that. Um, I was born in a time that was before all of that. I didn't grow up with social media. Um, I, I, I remember having my first touchscreen phone, I think, in like 2006, you know. I had a uh, Nextel. <laughs> yeah, I had, the, I, had, I had the brick, you yeah. know, the Nokia brick with play, played Snake on it, and that's pretty much all you can do. I uh, got the cool color-changing cases. Games, <laughs> hey, listen, I had my first phone was uh, a Nokia, and it was 100 bucks 
for a hundred minutes. Wow. Mm, you, you were doing it when they were still charging by the minute. By the yeah. minute. Man, we that's old school. A, we were paying a dollar a minute, bro. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Unless yeah. I had some important stuff to talk about. Like, <laughs> it was just like, hey, I'll call you back. And, yeah. and then also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you... if if you started the minute, they will take the minute. So you needed to make sure that you would finish that okay, minute. Okay, so that happened a little bit before me. Okay. So it was an aggregate <laughs> when, time I got to okay. it. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a phone until like uh, eighth grade, and that was like late compared to all the other people that hmm. uh, I went to school with and stuff. Like most people had phones in like fifth grade and stuff. I'm 26, so I'm not that old at all, but uh, – yeah, and the only reason I had a phone was because I kept having to stay after school for, like, basketball practice and stuff. Yeah. And My uh, six-year-old yeah. thinks he needs a phone. Like, there's other kids in his class that have phones. Yeah. Yep. Like, I'm like, okay, they have their parents' old phone and it's not hooked up. No, they can make phone calls. Yeah. Like, where are you at without your parents that you need to make a phone call? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. You know, this this last Sunday, uh, the uh, the guest preacher that we had from Russia uh, I know that his his son his son he played this beautiful Beethoven piece and yeah. it, it, you know if you've heard if you heard that uh, young guy probably probably no more than ten years old I don't know how old he was but yeah, probably eight or nine or ten yeah. yeah he was like that and and you know you you can tell uh, he ain't got no social media he ain't got no social media <laughs> you know and it's like it's like kids more and more are are doing nothing you know it's and it's just they are just glued to that and i was a gamer growing up so i know what that is but i mm-hmm. also had to go outside so i was a gamer too but it took quarters yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're paying quarters to play games counting your minutes on the phone Gosh, yeah bro it was rough bro <laughs> we have our first interview with our first ever dinosaur oh, oh no. my gosh no, we bro. had to go to the mall and go to the arcade That's, yeah hey, arcades when i was growing up playing games like arcades were cool because you didn't have to do that so you could only play like so if you went to the arcade and played on an actual machine like a big with a joystick and stuff mm-hmm. like that was really cool yeah uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all I knew. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and that was also, and it is also very addictive, but then it also came with its limitations because oh, yeah. whenever you run out of quarters. When your $10 were up, you're it was done. Up. The difference with the video game thing is you are, especially these days with the internet, you're usually playing with other people. So you're still like interacting with people yeah. and you're talking to people and it's different than just like sending a message or posting a picture with some words underneath it. You're having to like talk to people all over the country or around the world, uh, you're on the same team, so you're like making strategies with each other, right. trying to. So there is still you're still like getting that. So it's not it's way different than just like sitting on your bed by yourself, yeah, scrolling through pictures and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's still a creative but the, but and the, social uh, element yeah. to it. Yeah. But the other side of that is that the game never ends. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're always trying to achieve something that's always moving. Yeah. So it's a moving target. It's but, definitely still uh, addicting, but I, I guess the point I was trying to make is it's the social, like, problematic, problematic part of it mm-hmm. that, like, social media brings is, it's to- I think it's a lot different than, like... Yeah, it's not too social. Yeah. But, hey, I got another clip for you real quick. I got quite a few of these, and I know this, uh, this, uh, this episode can definitely stretch, so we're trying to move it right along. But check this out. This one's about 30 seconds premise here armed with all the knowledge that i have and all of the experience i am fighting my kids about the time that they spend on phones and on the computer i will say to my son how many hours do you think you're spending on your phone he'll be like oh it's like half an hour it's half an hour tops i'd say upwards hour hour and a half okay i looked at the screen for a couple weeks ago and it was like three hours and 45 minutes that 
Instagram, six hours, 13 minutes. Okay, so my Instagram's worse. Got him. Didn't have much to say. And this was a Stanford professor that, like like she said, she knows all the the dangerous implications, and yet her Mm -hmm. own kids are still on it. And uh, Well, like like I said in the documentary, I don't know if you can bring this up later, but a lot of those social media mogul people, they don't let their kids mm -hmm. use social media. Right. Right. Which I, I I was like, huh, you know, huh. Yeah. How ironic. And they're like, no, no. And and I I like how they were. Well, I don't like it. But whenever they were saying, whenever they're saying, I know how this works. I created the code for it Mm -hmm. and I'm hooked. Yeah. You know, and they knew, they knew that their own creation had, had got them. Right. But even the main guy, he was addicted to his email. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I thought I was like. Like, he's like he's like you over here, like <laughs> using super old stuff. <laughs> like, what kind of emails are you getting? Like, For real? The, the bottom of it says unsubscribe. So if you don't want to see it no more, unsubscribe. <laughs> he's just scrolling through his junk mail yeah. all day, and that's and that's and that's wild, you know. It's and it's the it is the younger generation that is more susceptible to it. Us, we didn't necessarily grow up with that stuff. I I didn't. I, I mean, didn't. I kind of did, but I never got into it. It was partially. So in where uh, where I lived in Lynchburg in Baytown, it was uh, the internet service was like super super slow there, and uh, so you know you're dealing with like dial up in a place that gets bad reception. So you weren't you, there wasn't a lot to do online. That's there. funny because he turned out to be a musician. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, what if it was the other way around? Like, what if he would have had the you know, all this other stuff would you have been? Well, okay. So, so the other it? part of it was, so that was like one deterrent from me doing a bunch of social media stuff. And then the other was, I just always thought it was so stupid and super lame. Just like friends, like posting pictures of each other and being like, did you see that picture I put up last night? Right. Especially the ones that remember when it first started, the selfies first started was always in a bathroom mirror. Yeah, it was, I just thought it was so stupid. And, but also my whole like up until I was like 15 or 16, I just thought everything was stupid. So that doesn't really say that much that I thought social re- media was stupid. I remember those days. Yeah, everything yeah. was dumb. This is so dumb. This I is don't- so lame. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that, I mean, that that's just, you know, that represents, I believe, just uh, maybe just a uh, a very small group mm-hmm. of people that like that. But, but I mean, I know people that, uh, Facebook was originally made for college students, mm-hmm. right? So whenever that, you know, that's before he stole it. Yeah, <laughs> before it before it started popping and all that, and people were there and all that. <laughs> but like now, you talk to somebody that's in Generation Z, and you tell them if they have Facebook, they're gonna look at you like you're a dinosaur. Yeah. And it's the most uncool thing. You know, they have all these other things: uh, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, or whatever. Which the whole TikTok phenomenon is is it's still it's just way over my head. Mm-hmm. You got people that are getting you know, globally famous here by not doing anything. All they do is lip lip sync Mm -hmm. to other people's music, throw in a dance move in there. And they, you know, they are trending worldwide for being talent, talentless bums. My whole thought on stuff like that is like, even though I can sit here and talk trash about it all day, they're doing it. They're and doing they're it. making the money. I'm not doing it. So I respect the grind. If they're making money yeah, and they're I, finding out how to make money on all that, that's good. I'm just talking about the people yeah. that are look that are consuming it. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, wh- those are the real like idiots. There. Like, yeah, you like, want to make what? fun of somebody like you could, I could do that for uh, like musical artists or something. You can talk trash about certain pop artists or whatever. And it's like, Hey man, they're out there doing it, making the money. Uh, most mm-hmm. of them don't really think they're as amazing as they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. A lot they know 
that like this is stupid what they're doing but they're like hey i'm gonna do it i'm do a yeah. good job with it the real people to be made fun of are the ones listening to that music and be like this is so good i really like this this has got a great beat and <laughs> <laughs> i just heard pastor lentz on the interview the hill song pastor in in uh, new york and he said his son wanted to be a um a youtuber uh-huh and he would just like, nah, you know, I don't know about all that. That's, that's just a waste of time. And then he go, then he started doing some research, and he goes, oh, there's a million-dollar game out here? He says, I wouldn't buy him a new microphone and some new headphones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing with, with Gen Z is that um, since this stuff has all been recorded as far as, you know, people's emotional, psychological state and all that, Gen Z is the most neurotic of any generation. They uh, are the most anxious and they are the most depressed Mm -hmm. and suicide rates and all that stuff is just they've just skyrocketed and they can be traced back to the implementation of social media and social Mm -hmm. networks. Um, Now, it's not necessarily a fair estimation because we know there's other contributing factors other than social media that leads all to to that upbringing, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, religious, uh, you know, values that might be in the in the home or not in the home. Do you have a father in the home? Where do you live in the United States? Do you live in a in a rural area? Do you live in an urban area where there's not a lot of opportunity? I know that all of that plays a gigantic. uh, 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 They're they're contributing factors to how a person. Uh, grows up and then the things that they um, how they express themselves and how they receive the world and stuff but it we cannot we cannot say that there isn't a problem in this generation and like the people that I minister to they've lived in a world where they grew up in this they've never known anything it's normal uh, it's normal for them even before they were out of the womb it was already there yeah. You know, and uh, and I uh, even though I'm not that old, I I remember a time uh, right whenever it was a 56k dial up. You mm-hmm. know, I remember that. Uh, I remember the commercial when it took too long and they threw the the computer out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that uh, that Netflix doc about the the killer guy that you were telling me about. I watched that yesterday and today. Oh yeah, I'm a killer. Yeah, yeah, killer released or whatever. So the dude spent. 30 years in prison for mm-hmm. killing a guy when he was like 20 years old or something. So now after like 30 years, he's out on parole or whatever. And he's talking about like how much the world has changed mm-hmm. in 30 years. He was like, yeah, when I went into prison, people didn't have cell phones. There was none of that kind of stuff. And so now he's just like thrown back into society with social media and all that kind Different of world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My buddy was locked up for a long time and he was talking to somebody in there about, uh, Star Wars, and the guy was like, "What's a Star Wars? Yeah, oh my goodness. What is a yeah. Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's, I mean, that's about as close to like time traveling as you can They're get. Pretty much, Does just lock you in a room for a few decades and then bring pretty, you out. And 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 you know, and 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 these young people, they're 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 trapped in a time capsule now. This is all that they mm-hmm. know. This is all that they know, and it, it's it's incredible how much their sense of worth is tied to social media. Mm-hmm. We might not care about it too much. I know that I use it as a tool. Yeah. I use it as a platform to reach out and to and and to try to engage them in what they're already involved in. But if somebody if somebody dislikes a comment that I have or they say something about a picture that I post, it's not going to ruin my day. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but you get these young people and somebody, they can have a hundred thousand positive reviews, but or they, but they get one dislike, they get yeah. one bad comment, and they are thrown in a tailspin. And I got another little, uh, I got another little clip for you. Check this out. 
to care about whether other people in our tribe think well of us or not, because it matters. But were we evolved to be aware of what 10,000 people think of us? We were not evolved to have social approval being dosed to us every five minutes. That was not at all what we were able to experience. Yeah. This one broke my heart. Yeah. It really broke my heart because, she, you know, people were telling her how beautiful she was and, and the, kind of the B-roll of, of this uh, film and how beautiful she was. She looked amazing and how happy she was. And then one comment about some ears or how big her ears were. Mm -hmm. And then she, she began to cry. And, and um, it just broke my heart because I've seen being a, a youth pastor for so many years, I've seen that same tear on so many different young ladies face. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you have too, Caesar. And yeah. uh, so it broke my heart because it brought, uh, it stirred up some emotions that I dealt with uh, speaking to these young ladies and, and they are beautiful young ladies, and they're more beautiful inside than they are outside. And and for one comment to mean so much, it just really broke my heart. Yeah, and it's it's just it's wild, you know, the, the the landscape that we live in now. You know, I whenever I was thirteen, I remember how thirteen year old girls look. The way thirteen year old girls look now, they look like they're fully grown women. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's and it's because there is a social undertone that the pressure from society that says you have to look like this, you have to act like this, you have to be this way. And the way that they're getting, uh, you know, propagated these lies is social media. Right. You can't, nobody can deny that. Well, they talked about that uh, Instagram, uh, what was it? The dysphoria. Uh, yeah, dysphoria. dysphoria. dysphoria yeah. yeah, Instagram dysphoria. I, I used that in, in a message a, a couple months ago. And um, these uh, doctors, these uh Plastic surgeons are saying it's becoming a problem because they're bringing these pictures in and said, make me look like this. Right. They're not even fully developed yet and they exactly. want to get changed. Yeah. yeah, they want to get changed. And the other scary part of it is that their parents are bringing them in. Yeah. You know, like that, that has to be the stopgap is, you know, that parent in your life. My, I always had a problem with, uh, well, one of the things I always thought about when you talk about that subject and people like, you know, messed up from reading negative comments is I'm like, why were you, what were you doing with that photo in the first place? Most of the people like, you know, so if it's the girl or whatever and she got a bad comment about it, so your ears look stupid or whatever. Well, what was the photo? She, she just taking a selfie in the bathroom mirror with her butt all out and stuff. What were you doing? You just up there trying to take a photo, trying to get people to say good things about you. Exactly. Terry, you, and it's not just like a girl thing. Guys, everybody does it. It doesn't have to be a body thing. You can see guys playing a song on the guitar. It's like, what were you even doing? You're just yeah. trying to get people to say, oh, what a nice voice you have. I love the way you play that guitar. Your it's so cool. sucks. Yeah. And so, and <laughs> growing up, like I was, I was never like a jerk about anything, but like in my mind, if I saw somebody doing something specifically just to try to get somebody to say something nice about them, my initial reaction was to be like was to just crap all over it and to just yeah. tell them how stupid that was but i would never i'm always a nice guy so you know i always keep that in check but that you was really always wanted to yeah oh really really wanted to i'm not voting for that guy at the talent show right? you know what i mean like <laughs> that guy's the worst right and you know but i i, I 
It, I find it I find it just kind of ironic because we we don't want to be that guy, but we do want to be that guy. We want to mm-hmm. be that person to well, make those comments. You can be comments. that guy to like your friends if you're real good friends with somebody and you see your buddy up there doing something real dumb. You say, like, "Hey, what are you doing, idiot?" And yeah. you can sit there and talk trash to him. Be like, "Oh, that's so cool how you played that song on the guitar, man. You are so good. You're the next George Strait or the, whatever." But it's like, but we do, didn't we, know you had George Strait come to the house today. He still go home. He still goes home and cries about it. Oh so, yeah. Well, it depends. Cause like if a buddy, if, so it depends on my friends who do, if one of my like really good friends calls me out on something like that, I'll probably think it's fine. I'll say, man, you're right. You got me. And it'll be the same way with him. But if some stranger just says some trash to you, just cause like you're a lot, you're like significantly less likely to take it to heart and be, and immediately just be more, you know, defensive about it. Be like, well, forget you. Who are you? And then get all, you know, but I think that's the difference between two generations. Right, I think you're almost the last generation that feels that way. Yeah, almost. The the generation after you is this young lady when she gets told one mm-hmm. thing because her whole existence, some like like my son at six years old, they they want social media. You know, um, my fourteen year old, I think he has one social media that I know about. You know what I'm saying? Not not saying that he doesn't have anything that I don't know about. Don't tell me if he does, Caesar. Um, but one I know about, and and I found that one. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he probably thinks that uh, I'm a I, I'm I'm you know a pa- he's pastor's kid and all these different things. But I'm just trying to protect him from things like that and let him know, man. Listen. You get to play video games, but you know, you need to go outside and play with your little brother. During the summer, you're going to come work with me. All these things that my dad taught me to be a hard worker and to grind things out and not to, to invest too much time in one thing. Like, you know, what they say, jack of all trades, that's me. That's what my, I want my kids to be. I want them to have all kinds of different tools in the tool belt where they can do a lot of different things, not just press X, O, Mm -hmm. and Y. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think one of the, the the main issue with what I was describing is uh, the reason people get upset about those comms and stuff is because they're not secure. They don't know their value or whatever. So, like, if my buddy comes and tells me I did something really stupid, I mean, I know what my value is. I know. I know he's just, hey, yo, he, you were right. I should work on that and not be such a jerk in that area. Yeah, you know? a- absolutely. And, you know, it's like a couple years ago I was looking at a I was looking at an article they release it. They said that the same the same chemical that's released in you uh, whenever somebody gives you a hug is the same chemical that's released in you whenever somebody likes your comment. They share your comment. Dopamine, mm-hmm. right? It, it 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 you get people are high. You get high off of dopamine, and it's it's yep. it's, it's naturally uh, produced by the body. It's called right? dope. Yeah, exactly. Well, dope, they, dope. And they talk about it in here. They they say that the way they get you to swipe creates that same dopamine. That is the same way when you pull uh, in Vegas, when you pull down a slot machine. machine. Exactly. Uh, So they're trying to um, duplicate those emotions and those feelings. Why? To get you to come back. And I think the B-roll on some of that stuff when they were, the guy was talking to his like inner personalities or whatever, and they're discussing, okay, how do we get him to swipe back? How do we get him to swipe back? Mm -hmm. And they're discussing like his tendencies with the things that he likes and and the girls and, and all those different things. Um, was definitely interesting. You know, it's one of those things when it was funny because that family sat down, right, at the table to have dinner. They was going to have this nice dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had one of those boxes that that I seen. I actually seen the Shark Tank um, 
an episode the where it had these lockbox. Bo- yeah, the yeah. lockbox. And it was more for like. It was on Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, it was like for candy and cookies and stuff so you wouldn't get fat, yeah. you know? But they put their cell phone in there and, you know, the girl that cried about her big ears or whatever, she went over there and. <laughs> Took smashed, a, smashed it, it the big eared like, girl. Yeah, <laughs> you know the girl with the big ears, <laughs> the little elephant child, Dumbo over here came and smashed. <laughs> and that's what's the problem. Ooh, man, oh, oh man. But but my <laughs> my point is, at at the end of it, they all went to the rooms. The family time was over. Like that was more important. <laughs> I thought your point was that she had really big ears. Oh. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if her ears were even big. Were they even big? They, were, they, they weren't even showing. Were, she had her hair over her ears. She was a 13-year-old girl. She still has to grow into her face. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, my point was family time was over. And they couldn't even sit down and have a good family dinner for, what does it take, 20 minutes? Yeah. yeah. As long as Caesar's not praying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a, as long as nobody brings up flat earth. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we haven't even gotten to that episode yet. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it, was, it was sad that those things were way more important than relationship with real human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that this guy, uh, that we, the sound clip that we just heard was talking about the, the, the implications of social interaction and stuff. You know, and, you know, I, I, again, I was looking at this other this other documentary that or, or a study and it wasn't like Christian based or anything like that. But they were just talking about how many meaningful interactions we can have in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And the number was 200. Wow. Like and you you can only your brain only has the capacity to really deal with 200 people. What does it mean by meaningful? Like memorable? Like or? you know their first name, last name, middle name, you know okay, their kids, gotcha. you know where they work, you know their dreams, their hopes, and, and all. you're invested into people's lives. And and same, 200 is where you're going to max out. You just do not have the human time to know more than that. Interesting. Uh, meaningful. You know, we can have a lot of superficial connections or, you know, just, just surface level stuff. Yeah. But people that you know, that you go to their house, they go to, to your house... Because a human life has an expiration date. And I got a big house, it. but I ain't getting 200 people. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes me think about mega churches. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, is is that almost thinks like, well, maybe we shouldn't have churches over 200 and they're sitting here in a church that holds more than 200. Exactly. But, no, no, um, and, and it and it brings up a, a great point. I know we haven't gotten too much into theology in this one, but hopefully we'll get there just right at the end. I know we're almost done, but it's it's you know it's it's that that conversation needs to be had how how big should a church be how how big should any organization be before you start getting lost as a number you and i we've had this conversation before and and, uh, i heard this this quote i've heard this quote that that it says that if a if a shepherd doesn't smell like his flock there's an issue right there's a problem whenever you have 500 600 a thousand and you know we live Tens in yeah and then we live in a city that holds the first and second the teeter-totters back largest church in north america you, you know the, there there's issues there and i'm not don't get me wrong before you start Everybody starts throwing your hair. I'm not bashing anybody, but the conversation needs to be had in church circles as far as how big is too big. Right. You know? And and it's not for us to figure that out here, mm-hmm. but the conversation does need to happen. It needs to happen because yeah. there is there is definitely a uh, a, 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 
a responsibility to God, especially as shepherds over his people, on how we can be effective. And if 200 people is where you max out in uh, your life and your capability, well, then uh, you need to go back to the drawing board, and so do I, you know. Yep, yep. But uh, anyway, moving on. We're almost done. We're almost done. And again, this is uh, this is a, it's a sad topic. It's a it's a very exciting topic. It's not all you know, uh, death and blood and guts and and all that, because there is a lot of positive things that have taken place in the world because of this technology as well. So I'm not going to leave that out. I think a lot of um, a lot of this documentary just kind of centered around the cons of it all. But there's definitely a lot of pros as well. Yeah, I mean, if we if we don't talk about it, let's I mean, just talk about it real quick. Across the world, there's been revolutions that happened that freed people from uh, slavery, that that's opened up um, uh, areas where they lived in poverty and they overtaken the government and uh, and, and given given them uh, the ability to make a good earning and and for their families and different things like that. So, Facebook, especially on that end. So these places have done it. It's brought people together that they haven't, uh, brothers and sisters that have never met, stuff like that, right. that that's happened. So there is some uh, good ways that they can use it if they turn the knob the right way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If they use it for those, but they're using it to monetize instead of kind of doing that. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I, let's let's end off with this last point here. Again, it's another clip, and then we'll just talk about this, and then we'll sure. end. check this out anxiety for American teenagers, which began right around between 2011 and 2013, the number of teenage girls out of 100,000 in this country who are admitted to a hospital every year because they cut themselves or otherwise harm themselves, that number was pretty stable until around 2010, 2011. And then it begins going way up. It's up 62% for older teen girls. It's up 189% for the preteen girls. That's nearly triple. Look at those numbers. Even more horrifying, we see the same pattern with suicide. The older teen girls, 15 to 19 years old, they're up 70% compared to the first decade of the century. The preteen girls, who have very low rates to begin with, they are up 151%. And that pattern points to social media Gen Z, the kids born after 1996 or so, those kids are the first generation in history that got on social media in middle school. Yeah. So we're talking about all this technology and all this stuff like that, but this technology definitely has had uh, physical effects in this world. Uh, mentally, physically, you're talking about wars and all that stuff like that, you know, yes, countries have been liberated, but then also countries have been destabilized because of the, the, the because of the technology as well. Well, I mean, our own United States of America is, is going through that right now. It's, yeah. it's unstable because of some of the things that are being posted and, and the way the dials are being turned and what's being promoted and stuff like that. Right, right. It's super polarizing, you know, yeah. polarization for profit. Mm hmm. And uh, they are making money. What well, it says right here, companies are trading human futures. Mm -hmm. They stated that, that they're trading human stocks is basically is what they're saying um, in social media. They're taking each and every one of us because if you're not the product, if you're not buying the product, you are the product. Mm -hmm. So that's us. And they're trading us back and forth for profit. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. what does that do? That trends down into these preteens and teens 
and to um, just talk about that a little bit. The, here's the problem: is we're we're not only seeing suicides in our in our young people, but as divorce grows, we're seeing the social media taking a bigger impact in, into our teens, and because of that, there we, we we've been talking about a void here for the last few weeks. There's a void now. There's a void of a mother and a father mm-hmm. because a divorce happens. So now these kids are coming home to empty homes, right? Mom and dad are at work. They're not living in the same home. They're having to figure out homework themselves or figure out how to figure out raising themselves, cooking dinner for themselves, mm-hmm. and the extra time they have. There's nobody there to say, don't do that. Mm-hmm. There's nobody. There's, there's not a, a man in the, the house to for a young woman to look at and say, that's what a dad, that's what a man should do. That's how a man should treat their wife. That's what it should look like. Not telling them you're beautiful just the way you are. Your ears are not too big, right? Uh, But you're beautiful. Uh, God loves you. All those things that a father should tell a a young woman, Uh, a mother being in the house to tell her son, listen, I know things are kind of going crazy inside of you right now. But listen, there's a there's a woman that you should wait for, you know, uh, and they have all these negative things in the palm of their hand and they're using those to target our young people. And and that hasn't been positive in, in this. These these numbers are, are directly uh, showing those things. Right. Right. And then like it, as it's always been in any form of entertainment, sex sells. Yeah. And that's what's being fed to our young people, to everybody, everybody, you know, things like, you know, when you whenever you look at the uh, the adult industry and stuff like that, I, I was looking at some stats the other day um, uh, on it. And it, it's like for every American, they spend like 30 bucks. And I know not every American looks at that stuff, but it, the way that it all averages out is every American spends 30 bucks on that industry and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And that stuff is constantly, constantly being pushed in front of us in some way, shape or form. It always, it always just, you know, it, it isn't always, you know, the, the, the extremes of those things, but even, even the smallest little, uh, you know, uh, just hints of that industry is being sold to our young ladies or young guys. Um, uh, being a youth pastor, you look, you have to look at the statistics on all this stuff. You know, statistically girls watch it just as much as boys do. Well, I, I read a report and this has been some years ago uh, when they went over there to capture Saddam Hussein, right? Um, when they started going in and, and taking over his, his properties and stuff, there was a large amount of pornography. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the story was that he knew that if he could invest in pornography in the United States and break down the family structure, that he could take over the United States Dang, through pornography. Right. Yeah. And uh, obviously he was doing a pretty good job because on the other end, not only are we breaking down the family structure, but you, now go go and, and look at some of these females that have been in the industry for a while. The the um, suicide numbers are just ridiculous. Yeah. Like fifty mm-hmm. percent of these stars, these these stars that are in that industry are killing themselves mm-hmm. uh, because they feel like what a piece of meat because that's what they've been treated like over the last X amount of years, um, and so they're. They're, they, they're checking out. They're like, man, I don't want to be a part of this world anymore. So not only are we getting it up from the, the family structure, but now 
um, they're taking their own self out. Right, right. And these and, and that that's a much broader subject and this opens it up. But this has uh, this technology has completely ingrained in itself in the way that we live and how we operate and the, the world that we see. And, uh, and 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 again, I know we didn't talk too much about Jesus and all this stuff, but the church definitely needs to have a response for how we're going to deal with it. And, and what are we doing? Are we are we giving this information out to our young people, our old people, all people? Um, because we we've seen the extremes of this that this divides, and we know that the body is not to be divided. We're supposed to be unified. And we need to be aware. We've been doing a study on the uh, armor of God these last couple of weeks with the young people and how that armor of God is supposed to be put on to go wage war. But what that armor signifies as well about what is truth, right? What what do we have to do to protect ourselves? How do we protect our, our hearts and our minds, our thought life? What do we what do we need to do? Where, where does social interaction come into play? Whenever we're talking about the shield of faith, as you know, Paul was talking about uh, the the Roman soldier uniform, and one of the things that they had about the shield that they had is that all the shields would lock up together. Have you ever seen three hundred? It's the same concept. All these shield the shields they lock up together like to form like a turtle shell type of thing, and uh, as they would keep on pushing forward and pushing the army to the side, they would break apart for a second. There was a person in the back, or, or they had a sword on their other hand, and as they as the as they broke formation for just that quick second, somebody was able to stab stab the opposing army and then close back up and there before they get attacked again and that's how you push forward that's how that's how the romans you know that's how the romans they and and then the spartans that's how they got um military victory on these battlefields right whenever we look at the armor of god it lets us know that we're not by ourselves that we're supposed the way that we win is with our brothers and sisters being unified and these tools we need to make sure that they always stay as tools and that they're not working us, but we're working it. Yeah. And I think one of the, the, the one of the disturbing things that mean you almost talked about it. We're like, Oh, wait, 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 let's just wait for the podcast was um, the zombie like uh, guy that they were hanging there. And as they were, you know, uh, that represented the real guy that they were turning the knobs on and, and, and kind of just directing his life. Um, zombie like, right. Yeah. And, and, that was really disturbing because they was basically, it looked like they took his soul and interjected social media. Uh, the way he was hanging there and he, they would turn him from page to page. Uh, and, and, it, and it just really makes me think, okay, what is driving us, right? Is the social media driving us? Because when I, when I look back to the Bible and the disciples, they were always following Jesus, Right. And they never went without Jesus unless Jesus instructed them. Y'all go there. I'll meet you there. And he never sent them on a, on a mission that he wasn't meeting them there. You know, he said, y'all go first. I'm going to do this, but I'll meet you there. And as Christians, and it, this is, it, it doesn't affect non-Christians or Christians more because we look at the young people and they're just as much as there, mm-hmm. that we have to let God direct us follow him until he gives us a mission and then meet him there on that mission, not be zombies and let this world uh, direct us. You know, uh, the scripture, I think it's in Matthew that says that, you know, if we get rid of a demon and we don't replace it with something else, he's going to get seven of his homeboys and come back. And then he's, mm-hmm. you're going to be even more destructive than you were before. 
you know? So it's one of those things that we have to make sure that, that we get rid of stuff in her life, that we replace it with good stuff, that we replace it with God and follow him. Um, and not get distracted by some of these evil evil things that are out there. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I, I, I discussed with my wife after watching this, we both watched it separately. But uh, I, I told her, you know, one thing that this this doesn't account for is the transformative power of Christ. Yeah, because you can, of course, there's an algorithm trying to make a dossier of who you are, and it is. It's doing it now. And your likes and your desires and all that, it's capturing all of that. But once Christ enters in, your likes, your desires, the things that fuel you and motivate you, they absolutely change. And maybe another dossier is being made as well. Right. But if it, it, it would be interesting to see that data on somebody that was dead, lost in their sins, and then somebody that was brought to life in Christ yeah. and see how their lives are different. Yeah. And it's, and see, I, see the way their, their timeline fades out of that into something different. And that'd be awesome. And the algorithm says, this is a completely a different person. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, that gives me goosebumps thinking about that. That's but, awesome. Uh, but, hey, well, let's, let's just end it there, man. I think, thank you for uh, joining us. Listen, if this impact you in any way, share this podcast, uh, give some people some good things to talk about, to, to think about. We got some, you know, three or uh, four or four previous to this. So go out, listen to them old ones, share this with your family and friends and listen, don't let this, uh, don't let this uh, discourage you, but let this motivate you. And I know that God is going to do it. So that's it. We love you. This is the refuge project.